Hey, Junior, close the door. You're letting all the heat out. Twenty, and we are back at the table, ready and able. Shout out to everybody in listening range. Uh, someone, please tell Ja Rule to get off Twitter. It's, <laughs> it's not for you, Jeffrey. <laughs> well, yo, I mean, what's wrong with dude? Welcome, party people, ladies and gentlemen, sisters and brothers, fathers and mothers. You are tuned into the hottest podcast show with four different shades of melanin for your behind. This is letting all the heat out with your absolute favorite Capital Dad's DC crew in the building. Uh, as always, we are coming to you live and moisturized from the Two Hundred Two Create Studios in Neapolitan City. DC. Uh, I am your host, the Basher, alongside the Grio. What up? Big Rock. Impeach the president pulling out my ray gun. Uh, and Blue Black. Yes, sir. Holding us down with surround sound is the millennial himself, Ty Westbrook, on the boards. Uh, remember, party people, you can find Letting All the Heat Out on Spotify, iTunes, Google Play, and SoundCloud. So please subscribe. Check us out. Uh, tell all your friends who want Cardi B to run for Congress to come and check us out. Whoop. Yes. Also, you can please follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Capital Dads DC. That's C A P I T O L Dads DC. Uh, let us know what you think of the show and what you want to hear from us. All right. Listen, we actually have a show to do. Uh, it's been a minute since we've brought you an in studio guest. And today we are blessed to have a very, very special guest in the hot seat, Dr. Lisa Fitzpatrick. Hello. What's so up? What's happening? It's so All right. Nice to be here. I can't, I can't wait to. Yeah, yeah. Uh, listen, it's great to have you here with us. Uh, we're going to get into your bio proper like uh, in just a minute. But like we always do about this time, we like to start off the show uh, with uh, with pop off uh, our first segment. Uh, I'm going to go around the table. Uh, always a lot on the minds of the good brothers here over the course of each week. Uh, what happened? What got your attention? Uh, Griot, I'm going to go to you first. Uh, what got your go? A couple things. Uh First, the uh, the uh, the not so great thing. Some some crazy is going on down in Texas right now. Uh, Texas Southern University, I believe Texas Southern is the second largest, according to what I read, the second largest HBCU in the country right now. Um, the Board of Regents has um, has fi- has placed on administrative leave. Okay. The, the university president, Austin Lane, um, and they've been reached by almost um, every um, publication in the country to, to find out what's going on down there. And they have made no comment as to why, why the president has been placed on placed on leave. So I'm sure they understand that when you do things like this, you just. You just make the uh, cloud that much larger, cloud of suspicion, and, and, and that much darker. I don't know what they're doing. They're they're hiding something, obviously. Um, I don't think that um, that the students are um, are being treated with the respect that they deserve okay. by what's going on down there. And somebody needs to somebody needs to answer for this. This is a um, this is a state institution. The the board, I believe, uh, is is appointed by the governor of the state in a case like that. Okay. Um, we know that we we know that the governor of Texas right now, um, Trump supporter, um, has has been behind some 
some some very um some some other questionable decisions. No as, refugees welcome. As as well. So um so things things need to need to be answered. Um, the university needs to be that there needs to be some serious pressure applied um, where 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 that stands. Second thing was um, what many people can consider to be the goat. LL Cool J James Todd Smith celebrated birthday yesterday, January fourteenth, and I just wanted to shout the man out. Yeah. Uh, I, I I didn't want this day to uh, go away without uh, um, saying salute to uh, to LL to Uncle L, the future, the future of the funk. That's right. That's right. That's right. Ladies love Cool James? Yes. Oh, yes. <laughs> He's on my list. Oh, oh, wait, hold on. Now, hold on. We gonna get to that. We gonna get to that. Hold on. Check this out. Slick Rick's birthday, too. Yesterday? Yep. Say word. Wow. Say word. The, wow. ori- the original storyteller. <laughs> yeah, yeah. All right. Well, well, definitely. Yo, shout out. Happy birthday to the greats. No doubt. Big Jesus Rock. That. You ain't all that. Big Rock. What you got out there? What you want to pop off about? I got so much about? trouble on my mind. Mm. Uh, because there is a problem in Texas and the brother just brought it up. Here we go. Let's uh, expand on it. Yo, all I'm saying is we've been robbed twice. I can count two World Series that the New York Yankees should have had if it weren't for these lows yet. If it weren't for these lousy <laughs> jokers that in Houston cheat us out of our title shot. And then your man Alex Cora who goes to the... So... So Texas has been found guilty of the cheating scandal. They are they are cheating us out of baseball opportunities. Is that what it is? And that's and it was found <laughs> to be they using technology to record signals to cheat batters out of opportunities to win games. You believe right? no? You believe nobody else is doing that? I believe a lot of people are doing that. However, because they won against the Yanks, I got a problem. I got so much trouble on my mind. No doubt. Refuse to lose. No doubt. So not only did the Houston Astros do that with the Yankees in 2017, but then your man Alex Cora turns around, who was on that Houston squad as the bench coach who did that mess, comes to the Boston Red Sox mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and beat and, and steals one from us again. And twenty all I'm saying is was a two World Series the Yankees should have been in, should have had, you know, uh, uh two more two more World Series rings happening. And my, my issue to pop off about is this rampant cheating that shortened my Yankees out of getting World Series that we know they earned. Right. Full I, stop. I had no idea he was a Yankee fan. I know the Yankees for, for the longest <laughs> and Lakers. Did not know. I had no idea. Brother. Yankees and Lakers. That's so crazy. we could do a whole different show on on how regional affiliations had like determine fandom and then True. and and then but then what else? What else goes? What in else? The mix? Like like what else no, goes? No in? doubt. Because it's always what else. People being because I because and I know you know this. Like it used to be what borough you were from were from. Determines what Yankees team. or Mets, yep. Jets or Giants, Giants and and, and Ra- Rangers. Rangers or Islands, right, yep. right, and, and all of that. And so. same thing with, with so Jersey folk pretty much found themselves online to what Manhattan did, right, more times than not. Although I'm the black sheep because I, I was never a Giants fan, so no doubt. But I guess for me, it, it was like I could appreciate Magic Johnson, oh, no, and no. may or may not have had his Converse joints. But I was a Knicks like. So, I, so Knicks I think fan. the difference is like the, the, those those couple of years between those 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 few pivotal years between us made a market difference because watching Magic 
as a seven year old boy and saying, "This is this is the this is the holy fucking grail of basketball." This. And my pop said to me, who's a huge Knicks fan, angrily, like the hater in him came up and said. You know, once you pick a team, you can't leave him, right? <laughs> because he, he thought in his mind, I was, he doesn't want to be a Nick fan soon enough. Nah, I was like, all right, Pop, I got you. Right, right. right. I'm rocking my homeboy. Right. So, right. you know, ask my dad now who's the smarter branch. No. Oh. <laughs> On that level. <laughs> does he listen to this part? Yo, I'm sure he does. <laughs> he he listen, talking now I'm to <laughs> Because on that level, my pop was probably looking at me like, damn, young and knew something at seven years old. Yeah. But then you know to to, to to build to build on what on what Griot said, I you know, shouts out to to the to the soothsayer and the the futuristic thinker um, Chuck D. Oh no! Impeach the president, pulled out my ray gun, zapped the next one. I could be a shogun. There you go, suckers. All right, yeah. Blue, what uh, you got? What you got? I'm on it? I'm I'm just a little bit upset about all this MLK stuff that's going on right now. It's like every time of the year they come around talking about MLK, but they only talking about right. one kind of want. MLK. Yeah, it's that's the only kind they want. They want. Mm-hmm. And, you know, <laughs> educating, your, educating mm-hmm. your, your children about, you know, the, the radical that was assassinated is putting a little Trying cogn- to get rights for poor people. Yeah, it's a little cognitive dissonance and I'm having a little trouble, uh, you know, just making sure that they understand who the full man was, not just the the comic book character that everybody's saying out here now. So that's you know, and I, that's, and I don't know how to change that, but it's it's, yeah. it's it's grating on me right now. And I know I know we all see this, the, the, you know, the current discourse, the way things go, um, the continued watering down and altering of history. Yeah, um, and it's like b- because people's abilities to to grasp and hold on to certain pieces of information, it, as that becomes shorter and shorter, you know, you can put out little pieces of misinformation over a longer period of time, and then that becomes like fact for right, them. Exactly, you know, and that's a, and that's a problem. I think that's and and arming them with enough information so that they can have an intelligent conversation with somebody who's telling them the misinformation. Right. That is like, you know, that's a whole. Project in Excel. It's a job. It's a it's job. Itself, so you know, I'm feeling all of that, and I'm volunteering, and I'm doing this, and I'm doing that. You know, just to be a part of the movement. And, right. But you know, somebody needs to break the glass and and really explain who this man was. Yeah. What he was trying and to and do. And that you know that it's like who's going to take on that responsibility? I, there's who, a few. Because because while there are people who who are willing to do that. I feel like that pool of individuals becomes smaller and smaller. I agree. You know? We never we never show the footage when when MLK has his conversation. Probably one of the last interviews he had when he said, "Tell the U.S. government we coming for that check." Right, right, right. And the, <laughs> and, 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 oh. the, and the the audacity to ask someone to pull up their bootstraps, you know. Right. Well, we made yeah. yours. Right, right. I turn to the lady at the table. Um, don't want to don't want to ignore what, what, what's on what's on your mind before finally. before we get in you know into asking you the questions that that we have prepared for you mm. and what and what you're here to talk about. But w- pop off. Is, what's is on something? my mind is money. Oh. Mm. Um, <laughs> okay, okay. So right now the uh, you remember the um, hashtag Oscar So White was trending a few mm-hmm. years ago and it's trending. It's trending. Again. Yeah, yeah. But the hashtag I want to talk about is healthcare so white. Okay. And so this came up um, in the last couple of days because 
Every year there's this big investment conference in San Francisco. It's called the JP Morgan Healthcare Conference. Okay. And it's usually where all the deals are made in healthcare. Mm. All the uh, venture capitalists decide which companies they're gonna invest in. And so now we're talking a lot about the need to focus on what we call social determinants of health. And a lot of times people think that means, how are we gonna help the poor people? But the, the money is all centralized in these companies that are run by middle-aged white men. And so this morning, a woman made a video. She's at the meeting. It's in San Francisco at uh, the St. Francis, or Sir Francis Drake Hotel, I think. Okay. And she was in the lobby, and she made a video, and she said, I've never, this looks like the airport. I've never seen so many white dudes in black suits. Wow. And uh, it just goes to show how no matter where we are in healthcare, all the decisions primarily are still being made by oh, white men, and they're making them on our behalf. And so that's what's really grating on me right now because this meeting is going on. You see all the news coverage coming out about this conference and all the deals that are being made, and we're not at the table for mm. most of these deals. And so it just speak on it. Speak on me. it. No doubt. All Ooh. right. Well, okay. We. Yeah. We're going we're gonna to table that and come back yeah, to it. it. You, you just, all you did was, she just gave you a little taste. <laughs> a, little, a little taste about where we're about to go. Wow. Um, so you you mentioned, and I'll do, I'll do this real quick, you mentioned Oscar So White. Uh, shout out to April Rain, uh, the originator of that hashtag um, from, I, I want to say, probably about two years ago now that that came out. And, 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 you know, with the Oscar nominations from this past week, it's coming right back uh, because what we saw was, um, you know, h highlighting uh, the Scarlett Johansons of the world while uh, Lupita Nyong'o for, you know, she, she got no noms for what she did in Us. Eddie Murphy, nothing for. No, hey man, ain't nothing. <laughs> Stop that. Uh, you see Queen and Slim? Uh -uh. No, not yet. All right, all right, all right. Y'all haven't seen it yet. We go. We, so, um, so yeah, but just, but, but again, just yeah. the the erasure of um, of, of black filmmakers, um, women filmmakers, uh, actors and, and actresses. As I mentioned, Eddie Murphy not getting anything uh, for for Dolomite is my name. Um, you know, Ava DuVernay uh, not 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 seeing a, a whiff of any nominations. So. Again, we're right, we're, for know, us. we're we're right back. We're right back to to where we were. Should we be surprised uh, by by the um, by the Academy uh, of Motion Pictures and, and and what they continue to to do in terms of their branding? Um, I, I talk uh, I talk a little bit about the sort of the duality, right? Like, why do we say that the Oscars need to be this thing of value um, when we know we're, we're continually pushed off to the side and not given? credit for what we do on on the silver screen um bird, be, because at the bird. same at the same time i don't know if you all saw anything about hair love the animated short by matthew cherry and uh vashti harrison mm -hmm. um shout out to uva um the, as the illustrator um but, but a, a beautiful uh a beautiful animated short uh that got got nominated and and i'm happy i'm happy for the brother i'm happy for the whole team um, and and will be extremely ecstatic if, if if they win. But it's like, why do you, why do we say like, okay, the Oscars is that, like that's that that thing yeah. that gives us you know mm -hmm. that, the that gives us the validation yeah. you know so. 
Uh, what are you going to do? Anyway. Uh, There's always the BET Awards. Always. The, hey, listen. <laughs> hey, look. Image Awards and, and all that. Uh, we're gonna take, Awards. We're going to take a quick break. We're going to take a quick break. Uh, and when we come back, we're going to talk exclusively with Dr. Lisa Fitzpatrick, our guest here. So okay. stick around. You're listening to Letting All the Heat Up. Burn, Hollywood, burn. Peace, world. This is Big Rock, a.k.a. The Regulator, a.k.a. Smash the World Up, a.k.a. Letting All the Heat Out podcast. You're rocking with the best. Stick with us. We're going to make you strong. We won't steal you wrong. One love. And we are back. Thank you for sticking with us. Uh, Listen, she is a CDC-trained medical epidemiologist and board-certified infectious diseases physician with both domestic and global experience in public health. She served as a diplomat for the U.S. government and is a professional lecturer, or I should say professor, professorial. I'll get it. Easy for me to say. Professorial lecturer for the George Washington University Milken Institute School of Public Health. She earned a master's in public administration from the Harvard Kennedy School of Government and is the former medical director for the Medicaid program in Washington, D.C. Although her career has traversed clinical medicine, prevention research, and program implementation in tuberculosis, HIV, and STDs, she is most passionate about improving the nation's health literacy and demystifying health information. She is also committed to improving access to wellness and preventative services in underserved communities and volunteers her time to educate the public about health and navigating the healthcare system. Ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> let's please give a warm, letting all the heat out she welcome to Dr. Lisa Fitzpatrick. <laughs> <laughs> wicked smart. Oh, wicked smart. Wicked smart. You didn't I, have to read that whole thing. Well, no, I listen, listen. No. There, there was, I give you your flowers You know now. what I'm saying? Like, and it's, you and it's, a paraphrase. It's not even so much uh, flowers as it you is like it. you you earned <laughs> this. Yeah. And, and we did. On, on letting all the heat out, this is a platform where we highlight like what black people are doing. Okay, cool. Because they we need to know. Because, yeah. you, because that's your time. You, and if you, someone you, attempts you, to say, what does she really know? You <laughs> made you made those sacrifices. So 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 we yes, we celebrate you. Okay, and, thank and you. And that's what thank that's you, what that's Alex. about. Is there anything in there that you would, you know, like to elaborate oh, on yes. before no. we get in? Nothing. Let's yes. get let's get into All right. it. Okay. So now we you in the previous segment, pop off. Uh, you talked about the money, mm-hmm. all right, and who's deciding where the money goes it, as it pertains to healthcare, and and where it doesn't go. Where it right, right. So you, I know your your time in D.C. has been extensive. I think actually the first time I even heard your name was a program you were doing in specifically in Southeast oh, okay. D.C. The Community Wellness Collective, probably. Right. Yeah. So. I think I want to start, I want to start right there. Why is it so important, or why was it so important for you to to have that program in Southeast DC? Mm-hmm. Because, poor folks, how many times have you heard about health disparities and the rates of diabetes and cancer, and whatever disease it is, mm-hmm. we have the highest rates, especially if you're poor. Um, so my patients were telling me, we. We know we're supposed to exercise. We know we're supposed to eat right. But they had challenges doing it. And they were having challenges because of where they live. They didn't feel comfortable 
or safe exercising outside. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They can't afford to go uptown to a gym. Mm-hmm. Like even right around here, we have these boutique gyms. They yeah. cost thirty dollars a class. So where is the access for lo- for our lower income people who can't afford to take advantage of these health and wellness offerings? And so we opened the Community Wellness Collective to provide free and sometimes we would charge $5 if it was an offering if they wanted to pay $5 for the class. But if they didn't have it, they would come for free. And we had yoga boot camp. Uh, we had kickboxing. We had even hand dancing, you know, which is a D.C. Mm-hmm. staple. <laughs> so we tried out all of these different activities, and we had people coming, but the problem with it with it was we had trouble finding funding. Now, so the dirty little secret for finding funding if you're a nonprofit is it's hard uh-huh. to get funding if you don't have funding. So it's sure. kind of like you said, why do you need to get an ID? Why you need an ID to get an ID? So right. it's the same with trying to find sustainable funding. People will give you like $20,000 here and there, but what can you do with that? You can't hire anybody. You can't pay a living wage for someone to run a program if they're only paying you $20,000. Exactly. Yeah. So I was I was actually paying all the expenses out of my pocket. Uh, but that's un- unsustainable, no. right? So yeah, right, right. Uh, we still have the nonprofit, but it's on hiatus now um, because now I've turned my attention to other things. So. Let- I know there was so much in there. No, no, no. no and that's fine. That's fine because that, that's what we're here to talk about. The stigmas, mm. the stigmas within our black community. What's the best way to break through? Like, like ed, the education. There's an education piece. There's a, understand. There's a, a financial piece. But how do we get in here? Yeah. Uh, the to me, the answer is talking about it. And the company I started last year is called Grapevine Health. Okay. And the reason it's called Grapevine Health, you probably can guess. Because the health information being transmitted in the black community is oral tradition amongst mm-hmm. ourselves. So what you heard on the bus, mm-hmm. or what your grandma told you, or your uncle Joe was admitted to the hospital and he gave you his understanding of what it means to have a stroke, and we believe that information before the information we get from healthcare providers. Um, I moved to Southeast so that I could better understand this dynamic. Like, what are people? confronting that's keeping them out of the doctor's office. And it's been fascinating. So the example I'll share is my neighbor, who I've developed a pretty good relationship with. He refuses to believe I'm a doctor. <laughs> like, because you can show him this. What war? He won't Come believe on, what you so, talking about? I'm in war eight. And uh, well, first he said, you're not a doctor. You're too pretty to be a doctor. <laughs> and I said, that's not the reason you don't think I'm a doctor. Why, why don't you believe I'm a doctor? Right. He said, because you're too nice. You get along with everybody and you talk to people. So there's this perception. And that he's not joking. Like he's being. He, he is being a thousand percent real about this right. because we had a conversation before that. And he was telling me that doctors are all about money. And I can't tell you how many times I've heard this very disturbing conspiracy theory that doctors and pharmaceutical companies are working together to make money. So they are prescribing medicines to patients that they don't need Mm -hmm. so that they can get profits from pharmaceutical companies. Mm. And so the example for him, this is why it's relevant for us. He has a heart condition, but when he went to the hospital, they gave him three medicines 
and he didn't believe he needed it because he felt okay. And he said, look at me. My heart is strong. There's nothing wrong with my heart. So he stopped taking his medicines because he thought the doctors were just prescribing this medicine so, so that they that can make from? money. Um, I think it comes from, it, it's rooted in being disrespected in the healthcare system. It's rooted in distrust. Mm -hmm. And we talk about distrust a lot. It's not just because of the Tuskegee experiment, which is right. what a lot of people say. Oh, black people don't um, trust the health system because of Tuskegee. Do you know how many black people don't even know what that is? Mm -hmm. But what they do know is their own experience yep. when they go into the healthcare yep. system of being disrespected, mm -hmm. mistreated, right. or feeling like they're not getting the best care. Yep. And that's where it's come from, coming from. And so they go home or they stand on the bus and go, no, don't go to that hospital. Or, you know, those doctors, you know, they were so mean to me or nobody's listening. And so these are people's experiences that are causing, you know, these perceptions about healthcare. Like a thousand little Tuskegee's. Yes, over and over and over again. So you, you said it was a conspiracy theory, and I'm curious. Like I didn't say it was a conspiracy theory. I was saying this is the perception that, that's in the community for a lot of people. This is why they don't trust the healthcare system. I see. So my, that's where my question is, is that don't you think that there's just cause not to trust the medical profession or the, the healthcare system? See, the, the medical professionals I trust implicitly, the people mm. who work there and the people who provide the care, but the system. But aren't they part of the system? I, that's, How do you that's separate my, them? That's what I'm asking because the, the relationship that I have with the people is different than I, the relationship I have with the system. Mm. And, and the reason I'm saying, I'll give you an example. Mm -hmm. So um, I learned recently about all of the quote unquote death codes you know what I'm talking about? Death codes. Tell me. So when someone dies in the hospital, there's a code that you write down to let people know the cause of death. Mm -hmm. And there's a little kind of debate going on inside the healthcare system as to which code you should put depending on who should get the blame or what happened or whatever else it is. And then there's a whole marketing or I don't know if it's I don't know if it's marketing or whatever, but there's a lot of interest in that code sheet because you don't necessarily want the reputation of being the hospital where people die of such and such and so and so. This is fascinating. So, so Doc is smirking for those who can't and, and see. This, this is why I'm bringing it up because I, this is what I'm saying. The system yeah, has, has all yeah, of this yeah. infrastructure, right? Yeah. That has nothing to do with the lady who came in and made me feel better because I, I right. was That's you know, true. in a bad place. Yeah. So one of, the, one of the goals of Grapevine Health is to demystify Please. the system. And we will be uh, launching a podcast to do just that. And so one of the topics will be, what is health insurance? How do you use it? How do you understand it? So what you're talking about is the way health systems and doctors get paid. And there's a whole coding system, not just for death codes, but you know, if you come in and you have high blood pressure, you have diabetes, you got tested to see if you had cancer, and you have a whole list of things yeah. that um, apply to you, there's a decision that gets made about which codes get billed for. Uh -huh. Because you can't bill for every single thing. And so there, um, there are companies that are built just to figure out how to maximize the billing. And so 
I think we should have a um, an episode that talks about okay. this as well That's because fair. it's there's so many layers to what you're talking about. Yeah. Um, but the beauty of the grapevine is that I find that when there's a myth on the grapevine, it's rooted in some morsel of truth. But what happens is when you get the information and you pass it to Branch and then you pass it around, it becomes so distorted. Yeah, yeah. And so an example of that is um, a woman who was talking, she's a wellness coach, and she was talking in front of a community group, and she said, every time you eat sugar, your immune system shuts down for five hours. Now, this is my specialty. I've never heard of that. So I looked it up in the in the literature, the research that had been done look, linking sugar to the immune system. <laughs> and it turns out there was a study done like 40 or so years ago that showed that if you gave my sugar, there was a component of the immune system, it slowed down for five hours. It wasn't the whole immune system shutting down. If your immune system shuts down, you're in trouble. Right. But see, there's a there's a kernel of truth in what she's saying, mm-hmm. but she misinterpreted it, and mm-hmm. it's probably over time that this happens, so and it's the same thing that's happening with this um, discussion you're having about codes yeah. because people don't understand exactly what they are and how they work, but the take-home message is they're they're playing fast and furious with the real information, and that's where distrust comes yeah. as well because we're not being transparent about what's happening in healthcare and how we're making these decisions. Thank you very much. Yeah. And also every time there's a story about so I've seen maybe one or two stories about these codes, right? It's never it never puts the medical profession in a positive light. Like every single story that comes out is about why you should be afraid. Mm-hmm. Right? And um and, and just like you were saying before, it's always it's always the poor people that catch the brunt of that because if you if you're rich and you see a story that makes you afraid of the healthcare profession, you'll just you'll just hire someone that you feel comfortable with. Like um, I just I just read something recently about what they're calling now concierge healthcare. Yeah. Right. Right. So. And what is that? So people know what that is. Uh, well, I'm I'm not an expert on it, but from what I understand, if if you have enough money, you can reach out to uh, to a to a medical professional, a a doctor that's in that doesn't take health care, that's in the private sector, and you can get all of your services. And they'll come. They'll to come your to your house. house. Yeah, yes. they'll, they'll come like, to your house like, like the guy Michael Jackson had. Yeah. 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 They will come to your house. They'll come to your place of business and they'll administer whatever services you need. Right. I, I, let me let me interject just real quick, because um, our pediatrician said to us three, I think it was approximately three years ago. And who, and who we loved, uh, loved the services loved. that we were we, we loved the, the pediatrician uh-huh. and, and the services that we were getting passed no more loved let me explain let me explain <laughs> um she, she she's still with us um but what but here's what i mean in theory she made an, an announcement uh to her clientele i'm going to now start this concierge service that's what i'm going what's to offer name? that sounds like 
what happened with our pediatrician. Our pediatrician. We, we can talk about. Right. I, you know, I want to. I don't want to. <laughs> oh yeah, you want to put a name. Her name is right. So, but 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 it was the first time I had ever heard of of this kind of thing in the medical field, and she said, "Look, we're going to offer." this concierge service um, and so you can either choose to get on board or via con Dios go somewhere else oh so because she was not going to take insurance anymore you just had to buy it, it, now it, right it, depend, it oh. depended on whether or not you know like hey I'm going to take this insurance now and not this this insurance or or just understand that I'm going to now charge a, uh, a yearly mm-hmm. fee mm-hmm. on top of your co-pay. whatever your copay is and so it was like now look i just i'm i was blessed that myself and and my partner at the time we were able to afford that but it was still we were kind of like wait what like what are you talking about and then you didn't and then they sort of paint you into a little bit of a corner because it's like hey wait a second we've built a relationship with you and and in terms of our children and and receiving care, yeah. So you 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 hesitate to move away mm-hmm. and go through that whole thing, especially here in the DMV. Like, try, all these all these parents out here with children doctor. trying to find right, right, right. Yeah. It's, it's tough. Um, so yeah. So just I'm sorry. I just you asked like explain what that concierge service was. Yeah. So mm-hmm. this um this is part of the transformation that's happening in healthcare, and it links us back to what I was saying about this conference where these investors are deciding where they're gonna put their money. They're trying to figure out where they're gonna get their biggest return. And so they're investing in things like these concierge practices. The conference being the the JP Morgan Morgan conference. Mm -hmm. And so Mm -hmm. the reason um, the doc is doing that is because sometimes it's hard to cover costs just by using the regular codes and getting reimbursed mm-hmm. from health insurance. And so what they're trying to do is add on some additional services like, you can call me after hours, you can have a video visit, um, you can do walk, you can have a walk-in appointment, and they're justifying this yearly fee mm. by saying we are making this more convenient for you. But the challenge is, that's all fine and good, but it creates more of a uh, gap yep. in healthcare access yep. and healthcare outcomes because if you're poor and you can't afford that, then you don't get all these nope. Cadillac services. And so this is why it's important for these investors who are only funding people they feel comfortable with and not necessarily black people. Or people who understand um, Can have a underserved communities. That's where the money needs to be uh, directed. But the challenge is they're trying to figure out how do we make a profit by helping poor people. Right. So it, there, things are changing in healthcare quickly. So, so that, I guess my, my to, to that point and, and the conversation we had earlier about you know Tuskegee and the one thousand Tuskegees that have happened. Mm-hmm. I have this uh, this theory that. You know, one of the largest reasons why um, black people um, are having lots of challenges around government and agency, et cetera, is because government and agency has bad credit with black folks. How do we, you know, how do we, what type of work can we do, does Grapevine do, et cetera, to put the onus back on agency to reestablish their good credit with us? Because part of it's what we can do differently, but then part of it is what agency can do to mend the fences they've the mend the fences they've damaged with us. Mm-hmm. Sure, that's true. It's a tall order though, because one, it comes down to leadership. Mm-hmm. So I think 
we won't see huge shifts in the culture or processes unless you have someone at the top of these organizations who value that and want to ensure that they're serving people in the way they deserve to be served. The other thing is government agencies are rife with bad process, bad customer service. Why? I mean, these are people who at some point in their lives will also be customers. Why are they delivering bad customer service? And the lack of um, communication across <coughs> different departments, even within the same agency. So well, I actually it. have very little faith that um, we'll be able to shift the behavior within government, but I think there's, there's a movement afoot outside government, mm -hmm. in the private sector, uh, in the nonprofit sector, and also at the community level for us to create a demand for the kinds of services we're talking about. So we have to educate people that this is even an option. Right. Um, there are so many things we're being left out of. This um, artificial intelligence, how many times have you spoken into your phone and it didn't understand what you said? Right. Right, so there are because a lot my of. diphthong is different, <laughs> right? There are a lot of health-related um, interventions and programs that are being developed that are AI-based. But what if they don't know our language? Right. How are they going to make a help us make a diagnosis if they don't understand what we're saying? So do we get into those spaces, or we, or do we force change those spaces by advocating from the outside? It's both. both. But we've got to get into those spaces. But people like me have to be able to have access to these investors who are at this J.P. Morgan Chase conference who are only talking to people that look like them. Mm -hmm. Right, so we have to create a demand for this. Excellent, excellent. Uh, we're going to take a quick break. Okay. All right, because uh, we are covering a lot of ground here, and I want to make sure that uh, we take a quick pause and uh, and come back and continue this conversation. Okay. All right, stay with us, folks. You're listening to Letting All the Heat Out. <clears throat> all right, this is Blue Black, man. You were listening to Letting All the Heat Out, man. We don't have no answers, man. We just talking about it to talk about it. All right? Keep listening. We are back and we are talking with Dr. Lisa Fitzpatrick. The conversation is getting very involved and it's a good, good conversation. Uh, Blue, I'm gonna throw it to you. So I wanna take kind of a, a historical approach. I wanna go back just a little bit. Um, there was a time in American history when being a doctor was a good job or when everyone was saying doctor, lawyer, whatever it is. And there was this whole push t to make the institution a place where people could go to medical school, have a good job, provide for their family, and maybe become wealthy one day. That narrative is still kind of around, right? But it's also contributing to what I call the industrialization of medicine, because you kind of have to have this infrastructure that pays all those salaries and all those people who get those jobs and all the marketing and all the different jobs, the coding, the billing, all of that. It's a, it's a, it's a machine, right? Mm -hmm. And so the machine has been built. And we're now experiencing what I call a renaissance in holistic medicine mm -hmm. that is kind of rejecting the machine. And Rock asked the question, what can the institution do to regain our trust? And my question is, is why don't they say, in addition to taking this medication, why don't you take some garlic? Or why don't you take some fungal Greek? Or any of the old time medicines that we used to have, there's no 
synthesizing of the nutrition and the old time medicine with the industrialized medicine. And do you think that there's ever a hope that the institution will embrace the old medicines and things, the roots and stuff like we had in our communities that for years that, that, that did work, but they only worked because we were eating real food. Mm-hmm. When we start eating processed food and all this other kind of stuff. But you that have should to be get, suggested too. You have to get processed stuff to deal with the process, yeah. right? Yeah. So I guess what I'm saying is there's a there's an industrialized or the, what is it, the, the medical complex? Medical industrial complex. Thank you very much. So you're right. There needs to be a, a joining of what we call Eastern and Western medicine, but but even Eastern. not necessarily Eastern, but some of the things I you're talking it. about. Yeah. Um, going, you know, farm to table movement is big now. That's true. So I think in medicine, there's a um, there's momentum building around focusing on wellness to challenge in health and sciences. Everything we do now is supposed to be evidence-based. And basically what that means is, has there been research done to demonstrate that this treatment is effective? FDA and all of that. All of that. machine, okay. So the challenge is a lot of the studies are focused on getting new drugs to market. We're not studying those um, traditional medicine treatments you're talking about. And that's why you don't hear uh, healthcare providers endorsing those products because... Um, people don't feel comfortable doing so. And they but, might lose their job. Sure, yeah. Right? But I think having people educate themselves about it, and then, again, this pressure, I think, needs to come external to the healthcare system because we can't them, wait yeah, yeah, for yeah, yeah. the healthcare system no. to embrace this. But we know it's it's good for you to eat, you know, fr- fresh vegetables, Damn, things foods. that are, yeah. you know, low mm-hmm. in fat. It's good for you to to exercise. I'm not a huge fan of vitamins, especially if you're getting what you need in food. Vitamins are expensive, and there are so many um, people are being opportunistic about these yeah. wellness solutions. Like get rid of your wrinkles by taking this, or mm-hmm. drink kombucha so you can feel healthy. You know, kombucha is a mushroom yep. that alters your immune system. And I'll tell you a personal story. I tried kombucha, and you know what happened to me? I started getting yeast infections. Why? Because what's happening is it's changing the makeup of the germs that are already supposed to be in your body. And those germs are put there to fight off infections. And what is a yeast infection but another infection that normally doesn't happen because you're normal bacteria are keeping it away right so these are the kinds of things that people don't really know or appreciate um we could have a whole show just on this another one and Um, we got two shows now at least (laughs) so can i have a third show sure (laughs) oh so all right here's my question um as it relates to healthcare and what you see every day what keeps you up at night Uh, mostly the people are dying of preventable health conditions. So we talk a lot about the kind of health care that's being delivered. But the truth is we can prevent heart disease. We can prevent kidney disease. We can prevent cancer. There are so many things we do to ourselves that make us sick. And, you know, I'm I'm not people will accuse me of victim blaming. There has to be an infrastructure around, you know, some support there to make sure people are educated, they have access. 
um, to things. But at the same time, we make a lot of choices that make ourselves sick. Um, So I think we need to, what keeps me up at night is that we don't spend enough time talking about the effects of smoking, um, the effects of the dietary choices we make. And these are choices um, that we choose to, you know, drink six cans of soda versus, you know, five glasses of water. Um, that we choose um, not to be active, even a little bit. Um, I would love to see the health the healthcare system talk more about prevention and helping people stay out of the healthcare system. But why would they do that? There's exactly. no incentive, right? Mm-hmm. So this is why um, I'm on a mission to make sure people understand how to take care of themselves. On that note. What do black women speak to black women right now that are listening? What do what do you want to see them do? Stop worrying about their hair. I was just gonna ask. I was in I was in an elevator um, at work and I used to bike to work and um, I had my helmet in my hand and a guy got in the elevator and he actually wrote a blog about this too. It said it's called um, Hair Before Health: How um, the Beauty Industry is Fueling the Obesity Epidemic. Hmm. And he says to me, um, man, I wish I could get my daughters and my wife to ride a bike or to better yet to swim. And I said, well, what's the problem? He said they don't want to mess up their hair. I mean, I understand this. I used to be that person. But once I um, started traveling for CDC and I've always been very athletic, I got tired of spending my money on my hair and then sweating it out. So that my hair just got shorter and shorter and shorter and more and more natural. Over time, I just dispensed with all of it. And my concern about the way we think about our hair now is the impact it's having on our young girls. Because they see these images and they think, I have to have a weave or my hair has to be this or that. And you know, Blackish did a show on this last week. I don't mm. know if y'all saw it, but. Shout out to School Days. Yeah, it, you know, the, I, I love that show because it it takes some really hard subjects and i think they do a really good job gotcha. finessing it but but my one criticism is that they still provided these options for young girls you can have a weave if you why do you that's your your hair is the way your hair is why do you need to hide it why do you need to cover it up and so that is leading to people who are not or people not being willing to exercise. Um, when we started the Wellness Collective, we asked people, what days do you want us to have classes? And so many women said they wanted their classes on Friday. Why do you think? Because so, Saturday they go to the hair salon. Yes, exactly. And they needed to make sure their hair looked good the rest of the week. And so I want um, our black women to learn to love our hair the way it is. Um, and not let that be a detriment to prevention and health and wellness. So real quick, I heard a a random conversation on the bus, Uh and this woman said that hair care products are creating fibroids. Possible. So we're we're not exactly sure what's causing fibroids, and for those who don't know, fibroids are... Um, muscle tissues that grow inside a woman's uterus because the uterus, you know, the womb where the babies are, mm-hmm. are made or um, grow, um, it's just a, a dense um, ball of tissue, right. a muscle tissue. Mm-hmm. And sometimes 
that muscle tissue proliferates and it grows into these balls and those are the fibroids and they can get cut out because I've had fibroids and I've had two surgeries to remove them. Wow. And so there's a big mm. um, debate about what's causing them. Mm-hmm. And truly, we don't know the answer, wow. but it's like most things. It's um, multiple anything. things. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. food. It's stress. You know, it's stressful to be a black person. Mm-hmm. So Man. how is that contributing to fibroids? <laughs> Thank you. I but, appreciate that. But the chemicals um, in a lot of the hair products they're thought to induce estrogen. And so if you have more estrogen in your body, it also contributes to the growth of fibroids. But there hasn't been sort of a slam dunk uh, research study that said, yes, absolutely, it's the hair products. But I think there's a high likelihood that it is contributing. Thank you for that. Not to mention it burns. Like, why do you want to put yourself (laughs) through that? Um, Just to, you know, anyway. But I, I don't want to get too bogged down with this, but I, I just want people um, to come to a place of um, peace with their hair so that it's not an impediment to living a healthy lifestyle. And I believe there are a lot of black women that are suffering in silence with fibroids. I, oh. At least that's what I've, I've Yeah, heard. and it's not something to be ashamed of. Right. I mean, right. um, because it, it could be a miserable uh, existence to have fibroids that are untreated. Um, and there are different um, treatments now for it. You know, surgery is just one. I chose surgery because I just, you know, want to dispense of it and move on. Mm-hmm. Right. But um, we, need, we need to be talking about that. Uh, so before we before close out, I, I asked you what black women uh, need or what you would, would say to them. And obviously here at the table, we're, we're four brothers, you know, between yes. the ages of 45 and <clears throat> And uh, <laughs> so, so quite honestly, I mean, what, I mean, you, you know, I, I came to you asking questions. What do we need to be focusing on with our health? Yeah. So the first thing is, I need black men to start just acknowledging that you guys are human beings whose bodies will break down, and you need to mm. pay attention to that because the 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 silence around health and feeling like it's not manly to seek help when you might have a health issue or when you have a question we need to we need to dispense with that so just having um the courage and finding the support system you need to talk about uh, being healthy and what steps you need to take there's a reason to get a physical exam. And the reason you should get a physical exam is because that's how you catch stuff early. Because mm-hmm. a lot of these things, diabetes, high blood pressure, cancer, you can't feel it at first. Right. But it shows up long before it really becomes a problem that you can see. But we can see those things with the lab tests we do and with the rectal exams that, you know, men don't want to talk about rectal exams. But, um, don't don't you know don't hide behind the the macho-ness of not focusing on your health or going to the doctor so if i if i could just get black men to focus on health i did a a little focus group with black men a few years ago to say what is it like you guys are the ones that come in last and you're like at death's door when you finally come in and so how do we get your attention you know this guy said he said Doc, that's easy. You need to feed us. You need to make it a competition. Um, and it needs to be about sports. Hmm. And so if that's really that's the so recipe, many. then 
you know, talk about healthcare innovation. How do we, you know, create innovation around getting black men uh, to embrace their health? And don't be afraid to have someone administer a rectal exam because the prostate, that's really the only way for us to get to the prostate is through the rectum. And I had a man tell me he wouldn't get a colonoscopy because we need, black people need to get a colonoscopy to look for early signs of colon cancer at the age of 45. And he told me he would not get a colonoscopy because that was gay. So we have to educate ourselves and we have to educate each other about getting a colonoscopy. Yes, it requires them to put a camera through your rectum but that's how you get to the colon. Because if you can see how far the rectum is and the colon is from up here, so from your, from your uh, food tube, your esophagus, down to your rectum is one closed system. Mm-hmm. But if you had to look at your rectum from up here, it's not possible. If, if, if he thinks that gay people are going around putting cameras in each other's butts, <laughs> I think he's got it. Bit of a misunderstanding of what yeah, being gay so is. So other problems that he has on his plate. Right. Yeah, I but think, but I, I think, think part cameras. of it's just uh, the, the notion that anything going in the rectum is associated mm-hmm. with being gay, yeah, and yeah, I think yeah, he's. Of course. It was just that simple for him. Of course. But if he's thinking that, I'm sure somebody else is thinking Man, that. So. Doctor, we're gonna switch gears here momentarily, but I didn't want to close out this interview before we asked you: Is there something that you would want to share? with our listening audience, something that's on your mind. And, and we're going to have you back on the program. You're, you're very welcome <laughs> to come back on. I think we, have more we, we, yeah, we have a, a lot more questions to ask of you. Um, but is there something that, you, before you leave here today, you want to implore uh, to folks out there who are listening? Yeah, mostly that I want people to start talking about their health challenges with people they trust and people they love. And so um, as we start to roll out our podcast, if there's anybody out there who wants to share their health story. Plug your podcast. To help somebody else. um, That's really powerful because I've had people say, you know, I I didn't know. That it was so, con- this symptom I'm having, I didn't know it was so common because I never heard anybody else talk about it. Um, another one is, is mental illness. Like we need to start talking about mental illness. And right. we have a lot of stigma in the black community around mental illness and we think yeah. it's monolithic. It's not about being crazy. Like mental health is on a scale from, I feel kind of sad today. I don't really want to go outside all the way to I have schizophrenia or bipolar disorder. Like there's a lot in between mm-hmm. those things. But the person who is sad, that's on the spectrum of having a mental disorder. And so we have to start supporting each other and talking about that and helping people understand that it's, it's really not a big deal. Everybody right. is struggling in some kind of way. What's the name of the podcast so that people can uh, can check for it? Well, it's going to be Grapevine Health, but Grapevine we're going to let you guys know when it's okay. out so that Got you me. can shout it out. Yeah, mm-hmm. and you guys might also want to come on, and maybe you have some health stories. Maybe you want to tell your health story about how hard it was to yeah. find a doctor, right? Because a lot of people struggle. I struggle. I don't even have a doctor, and I'm ashamed to say, but mm. it's hard to find Eating a good between doctor. Doctors right now. I am. Mm. Wow. Because it's hard to find a doctor you trust. Plus, it's a lot of red tape, right? Yes, it is. To just <laughs> even go and get a doctor's appointment, sit in a doctor's office. 
and it's, I don't know, it's not it's convenient. It's still a chunk out my day. Cause, yeah, it's, it's a chunk out of your day. Yeah, so, you know, what day. we're thinking about is how can you make healthcare more convenient for mm-hmm. people, bringing it to them. Mm-hmm. There are Without a lot of- them being in the 1%. Yeah, no, we are everything we focus on is for um, Medicaid patients because we think Medicaid patients deserve um, to have the same access to technology Absolutely. and healthcare as everybody else. So we'll see how it goes. The website is grapevinehealth.com, right? Dot .co. We're the, we're a dot .co oh, because for some reason dot .com was taken. Got it. So, yeah. Okay. Dot .co. grapevinehealth.co. Mm-hmm. All right, Dr. Lisa Fitzpatrick, stick with us. Uh, we're going to come back. Uh, we're going to shift gears just a little bit. Uh, so stay with us. You're listening to Letting All the Heat Out. Van Glorious. This is the Griot. And when I'm not chilling with Mrs. Griot, shuttling the little Griots back and forth across town, or waiting in line of horse and Dickies waiting for a fish sandwich, I'm here at the 202 Create Studio. I'm one-fourth of the funky fresh crew known as the Capital Dads DC, and we putting down the Letting All the Heat Out show. Keep listening. We are back. This is Letting All the Heat Out. We are sitting here with the good Dr. Lisa doctor. Fitzpatrick. Yeah. MD. MPH. MPH. <laughs> what I'm, else? And I'm so glad you didn't once call me Dr. Fitzgerald. People call me that all the time. Who is mm. Dr. Fitzgerald? Exactly. That's what I'll right. say. He was just messing up. He was screwing up. Messing up the names. Um, so, so we've reached a part of the show uh, with a nod to Combat Jack. Uh, where we ask our in-studio guests a, a very important question. Uh-huh. Uh, what's your top five? <laughs> My top five? What's your top five? And, and, now, now, and, and remember how I, 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 sometimes we'll throw it out there, um, your, your top five uh, black movies, uh, maybe your top five black authors, but I think we're sticking today with your top five. The traditional top the five. The traditional top five. And we do judge. Yeah, we gonna You st- do? We judge people by We're we gonna have a conversation. We're gonna, we gonna talk about it. Okay. Kind of judgy. Well, Go ahead. I'm old school. Don't qualify. Old Don't qualify. Don't qualify. Not, okay. Let's throw it out there. All right. Be Sugar Hill Gang. Ooh. Sugar Hill. Curtis Blow. Wow. KB. Mm. Nas. Okay. Nas. Escobar. LL Cool J. The goat. Couldn't let him go. Mm, we loved him. And Common. Another one. Another one. Another one. Another one. Another one. Oh, wow. So I, I, I move. I move. We no longer have guests on our show. <laughs> I move. We no longer have. No. Or wait, wait, I wait, get wait. to vet the guests. Wait, 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 wait. Go ahead, Blue. Let's, go. Let's go. give it. Let's give it a benefit of the doubt. Go. Could you say why Sugar Hill Gang? Because yes. you know the story. You know the story of Sugar Hill Gang, right? No. Uh, mm. I don't think I do. Tell so me. Uh, the story goes that Greg. But, I, but to answer your question, I love them because when they uh, released Rapper's Delight, we we lost our minds. And singing that song, and, yeah. running up and down the street with that. That was like the first time we heard mm. this sort of spoken word in music. St. Louis, Missouri, born and raised. Yes. St. Louis. Louis. Okay, there you I'm go. Sorry. Her. <laughs> So there's the story. There's a, a a legendary rapper from the Bronx named Grandmaster Cass, mm, and mm-hmm. Big Bank Hank basically said his rhymes on the record. So in hip hop, oh. biting somebody else's rhymes is taboo. Oh, so more than taboo. Rappers delight 
Mm-hmm. Is what it is, but it's not theirs. But there's a thing. Else. There's a there's yeah. a thing about it. So I don't know if everybody. So you knows educated that. me. So who should I? So, so Big Bang Hank was Adam, is what you're saying. Oh, he's Adam for hip hop. I don't know. He bit the apple. I don't know what you. The original sin. <laughs> anyway, we still love the song, but I I heard someone co-opting that song recently, and it just irks me when I hear like these young people taking this old stuff and they're making it new, but it sounds awful. So, well, know. that's what hip hop is, though, actually. Yeah, which is what why I don't really follow a lot of it. It's not Taylor Swift singing September by Earth, Wind, and Fire. <laughs> is that happening? No, it, it go, ahead. go ahead, Bash. So, <laughs> did you just give us that list in the order? Did you just, was that five, four, three, two, one to you? No, no. Okay. You, you want to know who's number one? If you go, please. But if you please. want to. I, pro- I would have to say Curtis Blow. And I'm assuming it's, he's written his own stuff. But it's because it was so real and it talked about like some of these societal ills and issues that were taboo for people to talk about out in the open, yeah. but we were talking about in our community. And we're still struggling with a lot of those things, like the jungle, like in the the prison industrial complex and all that. We still are struggling with that. So I would say all right, so we had I like a, any any rap that's like really socially conscious. Okay. We had a we had a guest on that picked Common as well. So that's why we all had that reaction when you said Common. Shout out to I John would, West I would Bay. probably put him um, fifth in fifth place. Okay, mm-hmm. so tell us but why, you know tell us why like he's on the list. Him? He's, yeah. on, he's on the list because I think you have to be a very gifted person to be able to rap on the spot. So I lived in Trinidad mm. and Tobago for a while, and they have um, an art form um, called Calypso. And a lot of that is completely impromptu, and it blows your mind. And mm-hmm. so when I hear, and there are probably other people that do it, but I don't really follow hip-hop and rap now. So right, right, when right. I have an opportunity to see that, mm-hmm. and I've seen Common do that, and I mm-hmm. think it is to be respected, and it's, it's pretty incredible. I know, I know he's I the, get that. the yeah. that, but his entire crew does that equal or better than him. Yeah, but I haven't heard them, so well, I can only talk about what's in yeah, my yeah, yeah. Expo- I'm judging, damn it. <laughs> what's, what's wrong with Common? Ooh. How much time we got? Yo, what's, what's time? Um, There's nothing wrong with Common. There's nothing wrong with Common. <laughs> it's, not my, it's not my drink. I'm, I'm, not my drink. I'm curious, and we're just going to do a, a, a little aside here. Yeah. Um, if you had to put maybe your, don't, you don't have to give five, uh, uh, your top few black movies. What comes oh. immediately to you know mind? It's to <laughs> you know it's about to happen. You know it's about to happen. It's coming. <laughs> I just want to. Oh, there's a lot. Um, pick, pick a couple. Pick, pick just a couple. Yeah, go ahead. Talk about. Um, don't laugh. No, don't We're not gonna laugh. laugh. I'm gonna say Hollywood Shuffle. Okay. Ooh, good choice. Okay. Uh, Classic. Afros. Yeah, because I'm old. And um, I'll have to say Coming to America. Oh, okay. classic. Uh-huh. Yeah, we should have stayed on like right. style. Right. Although I really love Django. Oh. But that's wow. a little Django was the shit. Django was the shit. <laughs> that's the reaction you're I want to hear. Well, it's, you're it's, you're it's, Django was the shit. For me. You're redeeming the hip-hop conversation. Oh. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you are. It works. It works. Dr. Lisa Fitzpatrick. Doctor. 
Thank you, thank you, thank you. We're going to definitely have me. you on again. That was a that was an outstanding conversation. So no glad doubt. we had it, and uh, and we apologize that it actually took us this long to have it, but we're glad we did, and we're going to continue uh, talking about the subject of of healthcare in the black community, yeah, uh, across the black community, and um, just just you know chipping away at these stigmas. We're going to continue doing what we need to do here uh, with the Capital Dash DC crew. Um, and on letting all the heat out to you know extend a platform to you uh, to continue to uh, to address this and educate folks. So we really appreciate you. The website is grapevinehealth.co. Co. Yes. Grapevinehealth.co. Uh, it is Dr. Lisa Fitzpatrick. We thank you, thank you, thank you. Appreciate it. And again, you're always welcome here back at the table. Uh, folks listening uh, uh, at home or wherever wherever you are. Uh, checking us out. Please remember to follow us on your social media platforms for updates about the show. Uh, tell us what you want us to be talking about. Uh, remember that is at Capital Dads DC, C-A-P-I-T-O-L Dads DC. Uh, we're going to keep bringing it to you uh, live and direct. Um, and listen, uh, come check us out next week. We're actually going to expand our conversation uh, to mental health as Dr. Fitzpatrick was talking about. We're going to have some other um, mental health professionals in here uh, to talk uh Talk to us about another issue, grave issue, uh, facing our community. So uh, until then, as we always say here on the show, we want you to be present, be prepared, and be purposeful. Peace. Peace, peace. Go see the doctor. Go see the doctor.